Hello everyone, welcome back. My name is Sarah Noor and this is SN Podcast. So in today's episode, I want to talk about a topic in my formative years until now I struggle with, and that's the feeling of not being enough. When I say not being enough, I don't necessarily mean like myself not being enough. Thank God, alhamdulillah, I know that I'm enough. But what I'm talking about here is not being enough culturally. Like I've probably said a hundred times in all, already in previous episodes, my ethnicity is Somali, meaning my parents are Somali, they were born and raised in Somalia, and although my parents are Somali, I didn't grow up in Somalia. I grew up in the most part in Saudi. But most importantly, I grew up in a society and culture that is way different than my ethnic background is. And having that culture and society be American and also being quote-unquote American myself, I felt like as a child that those two didn't match. And the reason why I say that is because I remember this one specific incident that happened when I was a kid. I remember when I was at my neighborhood park one day, hanging with some kids, sitting on the bottom of the monkey bars, when this boy came up to me and asked me where I was from. I proceeded to tell this boy that I'm American. He then asked me very judgy and said, but where are you really from? This question took me by surprise, and for the first time in my life, I realized that to this kid's eyes, a black girl wearing a hijab could never naturally be American. But of course, if you know me, especially 10-year-old me, I would never let this boy win. So I proceeded to tell him that I was indeed American, that my family was from Houston, and I have an American passport to prove it. (laughs) It's very me. But years later, the question and memory has never left my mind. What that boy said completely changed not only my perception of myself, but also, in a way, my identity. It made me believe that I could never truly be both. And interestingly enough, a couple years later, I went to Somalia for the summer, and although I've been there multiple times before... And maybe looking back, it was somehow maybe because I was subconsciously aware that I didn't fit in. But I just remember being super self-conscious of the way I spoke Somali. Because people would always make fun of my quote-unquote accent. I was always referred to being the girl from Saudi, like I was an outcast. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, when I came to the States this summer, I felt like I had a huge sign on my forehead screaming, Other, please stare at me viciously. So as you can imagine, I made this conclusion that I was not 100% Somali or American. And it gave me this unknowing battle with my identity for years to come. I also must say that after this, for a long time, I didn't want to associate myself with my Somali culture. And I was so keen on trying to be American. And looking back, it honestly makes me so sad remembering all those times where I would almost, in a sense, look down upon my Somaliness. And I think it was always because of the fact that I felt like I only had to choose to be one, either to be Somali or to be American. I gave myself an ultimatum. And now, looking back, I'm asking myself, why? Why did I feel like I only had to be one of those things? Why were those two options mutually exclusive? Because maybe in reality, they aren't. And so that's what I want to talk about today. The question, if you can truly claim two cultures, or do you inevitably have to choose to side with one. The more I thought about this topic, the more I started to think about the term assimilation. And interestingly enough, I was actually wrong for thinking of the word assimilation. 
Upon research on this episode, I found out that the definition we correlate with the term assimilation isn't what it actually means. So, according to Merriam-Webster, the definition of assimilation means the process of receiving new facts or responding to new situations in conformity with what is already available to the consciousness. And although maybe parts of that definition is true, it's not exactly what we're talking about. The word that we're looking for that means to leave behind or submerge a part of your identity or a culture in order to fit in or conform in the society that you're living in is the term acculturation. So, according to Mary Webster, again, the term acculturation means cultural modification of an individual, group, or people by adapting to or borrowing traits from another culture. So, with these definitions in mind, I feel like acculturation is something that's been built in American society, and we see that more and more today. We have all probably seen those videos of people yelling at other people to, quote-unquote, go back to where you came from, or, quote, this is America, speak English, my personal favorite, just shows and further pushes the agenda of acculturation. They make you think that if you want to be American, then you have to leave behind everything else. But I guess that also pushes the question of what it means to be American, but we won't cover that today. Let's get back to this topic of acculturation, and in specific, America's long history of acculturation. So when I was thinking about this, the first kind of story that came in my head or or a historical moment that came in my mind when talking about assimilation, acculturation, is that of the Arab community. According to the official United States Immigration Department of Statistics, the earliest Arabs arrived in America from Egypt and Morocco in 1838. Um, and many Arabs came to the United States during the largest wave of the Arab immigration between the years of 1899 and 1921. And the majority of those Arabs came from Lebanon, Syria, Palestine. Many of them were Christians who tried to quickly assimilate into American society. This led into an era of early Arab Americans identifying themselves as white. As many of those Arabs who were Christian and wanted to identify themselves as white to better fit in and be better off, this begs the question of why being white was such a thing to achieve. Many Arabs at the time went to court to actually prove that they were indeed white. Actually, in 1909, the Supreme Court justice affirmed that Arabs were actually quote-unquote white. This came from a very interesting case of this man named George Shim, who was a police officer in Los Angeles and was being accused of being ineligible of citizenship because he arrested a prominent lawyer. The lawyer who Shashim arrested pled that Shashim had no right of arresting him because he could not be an American citizen for he was born in Lebanon, which is in Asia. <laughs> Interestingly enough, at that time, people who were Asian could not apply for American citizenship because they were not white. During the case, Shashim was considered to be from Chinese Mongolian ancestry. The Syrian and Lebanese communities found this out and joined the fight to prove their actual whiteness. At the time, and still now, being white means coming from Northern European descent. Many Arabs from places like Syria and Lebanon were able to prove that they too have lineage to Europe. And so by definition, we're white. So with this case of George Hussein coming in mind, um, and the fact that at the time, Arabs in America were able to prove that they were white. And I think I think even today, some standardized tests, they're still um, 
those who are from the Middle East or Northern Africa actually have to circle the word that they are white. Um, and I know that there are, and I know that there are petitions and stuff to um, get that taken down because the Arab communities um, in America are trying to actually now reverse that law. But it's actually really interesting to see because they felt so much pressure in order to fit in and to be American and to obtain that American dream, they had to prove that they were white. They had to, in a way, push aside their roots to fit in and have a better life. So that story in itself shows almost, dare I say, the brainwashing technique of the American dream. Um, That you have to somehow you know, leave your things at the door in order to reap the benefits. And and that's completely, you know, not true. You don't have to push down or, or drown a part of yourself in order to, to feel like you're fitting in. If we really want to have a beautiful, meaningful society, if we want to really truly be globalized as we always say that we are as a country and as a whole we should be able to not only uplift but encourage people to show their background show their culture because that only does us good if you look at the broad scheme of things having people from another background that's different than yours gives you a space where you're able to not only share ideas but also have interesting discussions and broaden your perception. I am a walking example of that. I grew up my entire life in an international school with a in a community that was so diverse. I had friends from around the globe, from different walks of life, and inevitably from different perspectives and different cultural values and different ways of thinking. And it has honestly, it is one of the best things that I could have ever experienced as a child learning from those learning from my friends from different ethnic backgrounds eating from different ethnic foods just overall learning a culture that's different of line of mine learning there's a different way of life than mine just not only gave me an appreciation of my own culture but just gave me appreciation to the beauty of culture in general the beauty of traditions the beauty of people um because once you're able to actually step out of your circle, just seeing the different amazing ways uh, how people live their lives, um, it's truly astounding. And it actually shows the perseverance and persistence of, of human life. Um, the insane amount of ways a person can can live. With that being said, the older I got, and I could proudly say now at the age of 20, not only have I... I accepted that I am never going to be fully 100% Somali or 100% American. I am still proud enough to say that I will hold on and keep hold on very close to my heart, my culture, and my traditions, and reap the benefit of being in between two cultures. Um, Take the positives out of it and show each side the beauty of the other side. And I think that's something that we could, if if you're a person who deals with the same struggles as I did as a child, and maybe still even now, um, that's something that I would tell you is accept who you are because that part of you is never going to fully change. Accept that you're from a different culture and 
not only just accept it, but also show it off. It, me being Somali, honestly, it's my personality trait. Like, it's something that I love. It's something that I've grown to love, and I still grow to love. Um, and I will continue to love and appreciate. Um, but I also appreciate, um, you know, hand, a handful of things that I've learned being in a Western society. Um, and, you know, I think having those two and making the perfect mix um, is truly astounding. And I think that's what makes people who were in the same position as mine have a very unique um, platform and position to to share and to to educate people from either side. And I think we all have, you know, that amazing ability to do so. I guess we have to ask ourselves, why does it seem like we can only be one? And to be honest, I can't even fully answer that question myself because I don't really know why. But what I can tell you is in the recent years of my life, I have found there's actually so many positives from being or experiencing two different cultures. For one, we can bring a unique and different insight on issues such as family relations, marriage, etc. And something that I have talked about in the last episode about mental health is a topic that I only learned being in school. And that's something that I could share with other family members who don't understand the concept. One major thing from being from two cultures or cradling between two cultures is that I have learned to love the fact that there can be two answers for a question. I can look at a concept or an idea with two different lenses and give you two different answers. And I truly think that's so beautiful, not only because it broadens your way, to, your way of thinking, but it also gives you a sense of understanding of different cultures. Because I could understand two sides of thinking, it wasn't weird if someone else thought from another culture gave me a different answer. Something that I continue to struggle with every day um, in various of ways, but it is an important topic to talk about, and um, I hope I covered some interesting points um, and kind of how I was feeling, and hopefully maybe one day we can come back to this again. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did saying it and talking about it. This is a topic again. I feel like this for every episode, but this is a topic again that I found really interesting and um, very personal, so... Yeah, I again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will see you guys next week. Please, if you are watching, listening to this on Apple Podcasts, um, please give me a rating. Some comments would be amazing. Um, I also have an Instagram account, s.npodcast, um, where you can follow me there. Where I, will, um, I do have some cool um, episode art for each episode so if you guys wanted to check that out um that'd be very appreciate that that would be very much appreciated i do take the time make those myself um so i would really enjoy that um and it's also a place where you can see uh what we're what topics i'll be talking about and when i'll be uploading my episodes um again thank you guys for enjoying and i'll see you guys next time bye